Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach, Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone about kids departing the faith they were raised in. Learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family, and today with me is my daughter Jennifer, and we're talking about a really crucial topic. That topic, the importance of listening. We all desire to be listened to each and every day. The challenge I've found is that today many parents feel like their kids aren't listening to them. And what I find is that we see that as a behavior issue, something that we correct, often masking the many feelings and emotions that that whole focus on behavior can can cause us to not recognize. Feelings like potentially feeling like you're being used, not valued, not respected, or even not loved. And then as a parent, when we're in that position, it leaves us in a tenuous place with our kids because we're feeling not valued, we're not feeling respected, and that puts us on edge. We get more sensitive to the things our kids are doing or not doing, like not listening to us. And so we're going to dive into this whole topic of listening today and how does it interact? How does it work in our homes? What does it need to look like? How do we develop a home that has a culture of listening When I think back to when our kids were young, I'm not sure I'd characterize our home as being a home that had a culture of listening, but the best person to ask that question to is actually my daughter who's with me today, Jennifer. Jennifer, when you think back when you were younger, before we changed the way we were approaching you as parents, how would you characterize our home in terms of our ability to listen to you, to listen to each other? Were we a home that listened well, or how would you evaluate that? Well, our family definitely, like, we listened to each other in the fact that everybody wanted to know, like, how everyone's day was, and so every night at the dinner table, you guys would ask us, like, oh, how is today at school? Like, what did you do? Like, were you at art or PE or, you know, what happened at the playground? But, um, from there on, we didn't really go much further. We didn't go and dig into the deeper sort of things that I, I think every family should do. Okay. And what are some of those things you feel like families should be digging into more? Well, being able to be open about their feelings and um, express how, well, express what they need to to, to their parents, like, not many parents look at their kids and like what ask them like what can I do better I know that's definitely something that we weren't doing as you were growing up I think back to your older sister Heather who went before you and plowed some ground with her forehead and she was one that was great at debating by age three I think she could out debate mom she was reading at 18 months, two years old, and just developed very quickly, high intellect, very challenging because she was thinking, she was questioning us from a very young age. And we had gotten focused, I think, on all those facts you're talking about, what was happening in the day. We were focused on what was right, what was wrong, good behavior, 
all of those typical things that parents focus on. And in that, I know that Heather especially got a little bit sideways with us. She felt hurt by us. She felt distant from us. And she started to argue and debate. Do you remember Heather arguing and debating? Yes, I kind of, you know, stayed away from all that. I preferred to be alone in my room when stuff like that was going down. Yeah, she would blame the sun, the dog, the wind, the moon, anything to not be wrong. We'd have to debate her for an hour to get her to admit she'd done anything wrong. And at that point, you know, when she was younger, we we would even spank her thinking that that would help her learn to be honest and admit things. But it seemed to just drive her further away from us. It was really fascinating because we found that the feelings we had of her not respecting us, of not loving us, of um, not listening to us, all of those horrible feelings that moved us towards seeing this as bad behavior led us to take that punishment approach to dealing with the fact that she wasn't listening. But what we needed to realize is that our feelings were actually misleading us. We were seeing this in such a negative light instead of seeing what was really going on within Heather. I would say that in all the discussions that we had as a family back then, we were surface dwellers. We were living on the surface, dealing with the schedule, dealing with the activities, dealing with what went well and what didn't go well during the day, what behavior needed to be corrected, what things needed to get done, the room needing to be cleaned. We were surface dwellers in so many ways in our communication. Would you agree with that, Jennifer, and why? Oh, yes, we definitely were. We um, we would talk all about like what was going to happen tomorrow, what happened today. And, you know, sometimes even if one of the kids was in a bad mood, it would just be like, let's see what happened throughout your day. And it probably is from that, not even thinking that maybe it's something completely different. Yeah. In fact, what was interesting is we had fallen into that trap. I think that it's easy for parents to fall into we get a baby. The baby doesn't talk. We're talking to the baby. We're telling the baby things. And, and then the baby starts to get a little older and maybe starts to say mama and dada or ball, whatever their first word is. We're still doing all the directing, all the communicating. And then they get a little older and they start to think. And we're not necessarily looking at them as, oh, they're thinking. We're in now in the habit, it only takes 21 days to be in a habit, of communicating pretty much what they need to do, when they need to do it, where they need to be, what not to do so they don't burn themselves or jump out in front of a car off the side of the street. We get into that habit and pretty soon we're not seeing them as this little person that we can interact with and come to understand their perspective of things and how they're feeling about things that are going on in our homes. And that's definitely where we were. And that's kind of where we took a wrong turn. In fact, as she started to talk and um, question things as she was two and three years old that mom would say or I would say or ask her to do, we didn't really sit down and explain things to her. We didn't discuss them with her. We didn't help her understand. And being so smart and so quick, oftentimes her response was to push back or to not see the reason to do it. And as a result, all of a sudden we started feeling like she wasn't 
listening to us. And of course, this began a downhill spiral because for us, that meant, okay, go spend time in your room and think about it or do this or do that. And when the spiral got worse and worse, all of a sudden she was arguing about things she had clearly done, been caught doing, and she's still not willing to admit it. And that's where we got to stronger consequences. And what we didn't realize was in all of this, she was getting frustrated. She was getting hurt. She was getting more and more distance from us and had less and less of a desire to talk with us. Do you remember those days, Jennifer? And what was it like? And, and how did it impact you? Well, instead of talking to you, she would end up talking to me. And that normally ended up ranting. And then I would think that my parents are horrible. So it was kind of a really bad thing. <laughs> it was like a downroll spiral for, for every kid in the house. Yeah, so all of a sudden you started feeling like not listening to us because of everything she was sharing. Right. Is what she was sharing with you true? Was she being honest? No. What do you mean? I mean, she always um, spin things in her point of view, so... Maybe sometimes she would admit what she did and she'd be like, sure, I did that, but how could it lead to this and this and this? And that's how um, she started thinking from then on. Right. So the fact that we were issuing the consequences didn't seem right to her, didn't seem fair to her it, because she wasn't feeling heard, listened to, understood. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I discovered in Unfortunately, I didn't discover this in my home by asking my kids questions. It took me starting the Youth Transition Network and going out and doing research with thousands of kids to finally start to go, aha, wait a minute, there's something going on here. And it was when I was out talking to these kids, it was fascinating because they would share things with me about their parents, the way their parents talked with them things that their parents said to them that were deeply hurting them. And when I would ask them, have you shared these things with your parents? They'd be like, no, heck no. I'm scared of my parents. My parents won't listen. They won't understand. Um, they'll dismiss what I'm saying and figure out a way to make it be my fault. And so there's no way I'm going to discuss these bad feelings that are building up inside me with my parents. Jennifer, let's step back. You know, Heather's coming to you at times. We're doing the same thing with you, not really listening to you and understanding what's going on inside you and situations that go awry in the home. Were there things that you wanted to tell us, but you wouldn't tell us? And if so, why wouldn't you tell us those things? No, I didn't tell you guys anything that I was thinking you guys were doing wrong or stuff like that. And that's because me as a kid bringing something up to you you're allowed to justify it with, well, that's how I thought. You you were allowed to justify it. And I'm like, I don't want to sit somewhere and get all these explanations of why you're doing something that's hurting me. Got it. Parents can make mistakes in multiple ways here. One is to justify what they're doing if their kids bring something up. The other is to say, well, I did that because you were doing something wrong. And that's my role in your life. And, and the third can be that parents create a culture in their homes where kids are actually fearful of their parent, that 
if something goes wrong, if the parents don't understand, then there's going to be a harsh word or a harsh face, or there's going to be some type of consequence of going to the room or losing screen time or whatever. Did you ever feel like that as a child? Yes, but you guys didn't really take things away. It was more of, I just didn't want to be hurt more by what you guys said. There were things that we were saying that would hurt you, and I know that was the case with your sister, Heather, where she was definitely hurt. Of course, I didn't really realize that at the time. And thankfully, I went out and did that research with all of those students, started listening to what they were saying and thinking about their parents. And I'd come back and talk to you guys, and I discovered, sure enough, that's how you were feeling with us, that you were fearful of us, that you didn't really want to share things with us. So we had to make some big changes in our homes because what we discovered was our feelings of not being listened to, not being heard, not being understood, not being loved, not being respected, caused us to react to what the kids were doing, which was not listening, without really digging in to discover the real reason they weren't listening. It wasn't because they were lazy. It wasn't because they didn't love us. It wasn't because they didn't care about us. It was because of other factors that were going on that we weren't aware of. And we're going to come back in just a moment to talk about what those factors are after this break. If you're intrigued by the content in this radio program, I want to encourage you to visit revivefamily.com and sign up for our free webinar. If you desire to have the type of influence in your kids' lives that will have them asking you for advice, please explore our research and the key concepts behind influential parenting. It's available now online. You can sign up for free today and begin watching by going to revivefamily.com forward slash webinar. That's revivefamily.com forward slash webinar. Welcome back to Parenting in the 21st Century. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family, and we're glad you've continued on after the break because now we're going to talk about those factors that were actually leading to our kids not wanting to listen to us. What we found was the fact that hurts were piling up inside them that they weren't bringing to us. They weren't talking with us about, and honestly, we were never asking them how they were doing on the inside how they were feeling about us and the way we interacted with them. And their fear prevented them from sharing those things with us. And then the more hurt they had, the less they wanted to be around us, the less they wanted to do what we asked, the less they wanted to listen to us. And all of a sudden, of course, that's making us feel bad and we're reacting in exactly the wrong way, actually making the problem worse rather than better. Jennifer, when we were in that mode of getting frustrated, getting upset with you, when you didn't listen, how did that impact you? Is it true that it made you want to listen to us less, be around us less? It made me hide from you guys and definitely made me not tell you everything that was going on. I definitely got into a different groove. And so you and your sister, because she was kind of the main instigator in this and then coming and talking to you, we talked about in the earlier segment and complaining about us to you, that kind of made you one unit and it was us against them kind of mentality? Yeah. Okay. How did that leave you feeling? 
kind of lonely. I mean, like, I've always been, like, the one to want mom and dad hugs, but, you know, when you're feeling upset and um, against your parents, then you're not really going to want to go and say, Dad, I need a hug. It led to you feeling lonely. And I know Heather felt lonely in that time frame as well, which is just absolutely almost crazy if you stop and think about it. Parents are feeling not respected, listened to, heard, understood, loved. Kids are feeling not listened to, heard, understood, and loved. And we both want the same thing, but we find ourselves on the opposite side of this imaginary line that we created really for no purpose. And that's the staggering thing from the research that really forced us to change what was going on in our home was the fact that there were all these imaginary lines that if we were talking and sharing at a deeper level, we would come to understand each other very quickly and those lines would evaporate into thin air because every parent loves their child and every kid loves their parent. But it's these communication cycles we get trapped in that can build these walls between us that can lead to bad behavior that we then try and tear down in the wrong way. What was scary to realize was the fact that the real issue is we weren't truly listening to our kids. We weren't asking critical questions. We weren't creating an environment where they felt free to come talk to us and share the things that we said and did that hurt them. So they were on the other side of that wall by themselves, as you heard Jennifer say a minute ago, feeling alone. What was really fascinating for me in this process of doing the research and talking with my own kids is I quickly discovered doing the research that I would ask other people's kids questions that I never asked my own kids. How sad is that? How ridiculous is that? But it's the truth. Oftentimes, we're better with other people's kids than our own. I don't know why that is, but it's the truth. And what I discovered in all of this is that I was not asking my kids critical questions like how they felt about, do you feel like I hear and understand you? Do you appreciate the way I interact with you? Are there things that I say or do that bother or hurt you? How do you view the way we parent? How do you view our family? What is it you desire from me? What is it that you desire from the family or desire the family to be like? These are critical questions we need to be asking our kids if my research is right and if what my daughter telling us on this program is correct, that the fact that we're not digging deeper with our kids and just reacting to what they do wrong leads to hurt. It leads to distance. It leads to loneliness. So Jennifer what did we begin to do differently in our home? Well, you guys began to actually ask us all those questions and you cared about our answers and changed your parenting style based on things that we told you we didn't like. And that made a world of difference. It's interesting that, unfortunately, because we're handed a baby, 
and we get into one-way communication habits with our kids, and then even at age three or four, they're able to interact with us in much deeper ways than we might think. I remember having deep conversations with Paul around reasons he refused to take tests at school and that led to great things for him to understand and for me to understand him and why he was refusing to do those things that we can do at even young ages with our kids. And so that's when we really began to listen to our kids. The challenge I know for some of the parents listening right now is, hey, if I went and asked my kids those questions, they wouldn't answer me. And that's probably true. There are a lot of kids out there like my kids that are in that position of fearing of sharing their feelings with their parents, sharing the things that they feel their parents are doing wrong, telling their parents that these things hurt them. And so what we need to do to get everything changed is begin to change the nature of the relationship, to sit down and talk with your kids and say, hey, we feel like there's some walls that have been built between us. And we want to change the way we interact with you. We want to be better parents. And right now, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to beg you to be honest with me. And I have a bunch of questions to ask you. And if you can't answer them to my face, I'll give you the list and you can write me a letter or an email or send me a series of texts answering the questions so that I have the information I need to be able to know that where you're at, how you're doing, if you're hurt by me, hurt by mom. Those types of things are going to be necessary to get them to the place where they're willing to answer your questions. Jennifer, I know when we started to allow you and enable you to share these types of things with us, it was really important to you. Why is it so important for kids to be able to share these things? Well, when parents take the time to listen to their kids fully, it gives them a sense of importance. It's like when you're at work and your boss listens to your advice. Okay. So that was really important because you now could share those feelings. We were now understanding why you weren't desiring to listen to us. And the dynamics in the relationship began to change. What was that like for you as a kid? Because back then you would have been age six, seven, eight when we made these changes. It was insane. Like we didn't understand what was going on. We were like, oh my gosh, mom and dad are actually listening to us. They're trying to be better and they want us to be happy all the time and be a closer family. It was the best moment, I think, of my childhood. So if parents make these changes, their their kids are going to respond. They're going to be happy. This represents a significant mindset change for parents, that we're going to truly listen to our kids, get their feedback on our conduct, on what we say, on how we handle situations that go wrong. Here are five things that really helped me begin to truly listen to my kids. First, it was realizing that my kids understood far more than I thought at far younger ages, and that when I approached them in this manner, it drew them closer to me. And they felt valued, heard, and believed in. And we talked through things at a much deeper level. And as a result, I found even my first grader was making better decisions. Second, I needed to see my kids as valuable members in the family that had insights I needed to hear in order to be a great dad. 
The third was realizing that my kids needed a deep, working, good relationship with me to value my knowledge and wisdom. Fourth, my kids needed to feel free to share and allowed to have different perspectives than I had. Rather than trying to change their perspective, I needed to ask them more questions to understand what they were feeling, what was going on inside, and why they were viewing things the way they were. And when I did that, it led to great conversations, and oftentimes, they might even change their perspective, but it was because they were heard, they had time to think it through, and then they came to a better decision. And then finally, learning to ask open-ended questions, thought-provoking, emotional, probing questions. They got them to share, to start to understand their own feelings, to share with us the things that we needed to change in our family to be a closer, more cooperative, more fun, more loving family. Listening really is essential. Not just getting our kids to listen to us, but us listening to them. And us are taking our communication to a deeper level, getting off of that surface dwelling level of facts, information, schedules, and right and wrong, and digging into what's going on, how are our kids feeling about us, our communication, and the way we deal with them. Because when they're feeling close to us, they listen to us. When they don't, that's when the issues can trigger in us and we can find ourselves on that downhill spiral we talked about in the first segment of this program. None of us wants to be there. Start listening to your kids because it will lead to deeper, better relationships and a lot more loving and caring family. Thank you for joining us today for Parenting in the 21st Century. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.